UN officials from the Subcommittee on Prevention of Torture were blocked from visiting a New South Wales corrections facility this week. The New South Wales government cited security and operational concerns, although in the ACT, the inspectors were welcomed into a jail and spoke with detainees and staff. Australia signed the optional protocol to the Convention Against Torture, known as OPCAT, in 2017. Signing OPCAT entails agreeing that the subcommittee can visit places of detention. But Australia's implementation of OPCAT at federal, state and territory levels has been disappointing. That's according to the Human Rights Commission, which released a roadmap to OPCAT compliance on Monday. And the Human Rights Commissioner, Lorraine Finlay, also called out the New South Wales government's response this week for buying into anti-UN narratives. And the Human Rights Commissioner joins us now. Welcome to Sunday Extra, Lorraine Finlay. Good morning, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, You called on authorities to cooperate with the visiting OPCAT committee uh, in order to ensure the safety and dignity of the tens of thousands of people forcibly locked up in Australia. Has that call been heeded? Well, in part it has, but unfortunately it has been disappointing to see that in some states the visits haven't been welcome and, in fact, OPCAT compliance hasn't occurred at the speed at which we'd like to see. Mm, Yeah. Are you aware what detention facilities uh, the UN officials have been allowed to visit while they've been in Australia? Well, we're aware they have been allowed to visit some. And obviously, the whole purpose of the UN visit is that you don't get a full list of the facilities they are going to visit ahead of time. They sort of defeat the point, be. yeah. Exactly right, exactly right. But certainly in the ACT, it was really heartening to see the Corrective Services Commissioner say that if there were recommendations for improvement made, they can't see any reasons why we wouldn't adopt them. And that's the type of really positive approach to this inspection that we're hoping to see because the whole point of OPCAT isn't to have the UN come out and tell Australia what to do. It's actually about trying to make sure that in Australia we can be assured we are using best practice and that our most vulnerable people, which is people who are detained, um, are actually treated with basic dignity and humanity. Have you been in touch with the members of the OPCAT subcommittee during their visit? The Human Rights Commission actually met online with the delegation prior to their arrival, Mm. um, which was incredibly helpful. Again, in terms of us getting a better understanding of what they were hoping to achieve through the visit and reinforcing for us the fact that this isn't about trying to come out and find things to complain about or nitpick or look for trivialities. It's actually about trying to put in place a proper system of inspections, oversight and monitoring, again, to ensure best practice and to ensure that we actually prevent serious human rights breaches from occurring in the first place. Yeah, and and to ensure that we actually do what we said we'd do when we signed up to OPCAT. I mean, it's quite extraordinary. Australia signed OPCAT in 2017. Well, it's actually, 2022. Sorry, it's go on. worse. It's worse than that. Oh, really? we, signed in, we signed OPCAT in 2009 and ratified in 2017. Of course, yes, yeah, yeah. Ratified in 2017. Um, <laughs> so this has been a slow process right from the beginning. Yeah, indeed. You're and exactly- he, and here we are in October 2022. Um, so many years after their signing in 2009, ratifying in 2017. Why does the Human Rights Commission now have to publish a roadmap to compliance in October 2022? Well, a big part of the reason is because our compliance deadline was actually originally in 20 January this year, and we had to seek a one-year extension of that. So our new deadline for compliance is January of next year. And if you have a look at the roadmap, and I'd encourage everybody to jump on the Human Rights Commission website and have a look, we've got a map there that just shows around the states and territories of Australia 
there's been really mixed compliance. Mm. Some states have designated national preventive mechanisms and have passed up that legislation, but other states have done very, very little. And there's a real risk that Australia won't be compliant come January next year. And as you mentioned, that's a problem not just in terms of OPCAT and the importance of those obligations, but the broader signal it sends. If we believe in a rules-based international order, we need to keep the promises we make to the international community. And this was a treaty that we were prepared freely and voluntarily to ratify. Now we need to live up to the promises we made. Mm. We're speaking with Australia's Human Rights Commissioner Lorraine Finlay on Sunday Extra. Uh, Lorraine, the roadmap has five recommendations uh, that uh, the the Commission says need to be attended to. The fifth one is uh, all about funding. And I wondered, is that the issue that's lurking behind um, various state governments sort of posturing about the OPCAT subcommittee's visit? What, What are the issues with funding? Well, it is one of the issues, and certainly New South Wales have previously raised the funding of OPCAT compliance as one of the issues. But I should just clear up something that was said this week was that Australian taxpayers shouldn't have to fund the UN coming out to inspect our prisons. That isn't the case. The UNSPT is self-funded, so Australian taxpayers aren't paying for that. But obviously what Australian taxpayers would need to fund is any improvements that are needed to our detention centres based upon OPCAT recommendations that are made. And that seems to be the issue. Now, the states have said in the past that they think the Commonwealth should pay for that, given that the Commonwealth signed up to the treaty. There is some merit in that. But the flip side as well is we're talking about the basic minimum conditions in prisons and other places of detention. And in my view, for state governments, that's a core obligation that they have any day of the week, regardless of whether Australia signed OPCAT or not. So the fact that our prisons meet minimum conditions, I think that's something most Australians expect their state governments to take care of, mm. regardless of any international obligation. And you use the phrase there, other places of detention. That's another one of the recommendations of the Commission, to have a broad mm. interpretation of places of detention. What else does it cover, um, in particular, would it cover places uh, like sort of community detention for um, asylum seekers and that sort of thing? It, It does have a broad definition and this accords with what OPCAT says. So places of detention is simply anywhere where somebody is deprived of their liberty. So it includes traditional places or what we'd think of like prisons and immigration detention centres, but it also extends to things like police watch houses, to disability care homes and even to aged care homes where there are, for example, closed units. So it's really important that we actually not just think about going in and looking at prisons, but that we make sure we have minimum standards in place for people in all places, wherever their liberty is deprived, because we do know that's where people can be really vulnerable and where serious human rights abuses can potentially occur. And the whole point of OPCAT isn't to say that those abuses are occurring now, What we want to do is stop them from ever occurring in the future. Yeah, so what is the process from here in terms of this subcommittee's visit? And does the fact that uh, some state governments have refused access make it more likely that the the report by the committee will be adverse to Australia's uh, practices? Well, I think it is incredibly disappointing that some state governments haven't fully embraced the opportunity that OPCAT offers us. What it does mean in terms of recommendations, the subcommittee makes private recommendations to the Australian government, and it's only if the government decides to release those that it becomes public. So again, 
OPCAT isn't about publicly naming and shaming. It's actually about really working to try and find constructive improvements. What I would hope is that this might actually um, revive Australia's focus on the need for OPCAT compliance. And if I can give one example, we saw Queensland say that they weren't going to allow inspectors into inpatient units because their legislation didn't actually allow for that. One of our recommendations is all states and territories need appropriate legislation to allow for OPCAT compliance. Mm. States have known for years that they need to do this. So the SPT visit has really highlighted the importance of looking at the Human Rights um, Commission's roadmap, looking at those recommendations and actually starting to put them into place. As Human Rights Commissioner, what practices that are currently occurring in Australia in detention facilities concern you in terms of uh, compliance with OPCAT? Well, I think there are a number of real concerns and look for, it's really important to recognise that I think there are some really positive things in terms of oversight and inspection that currently occur, but we can always do better. And particularly when you look at some of the examples that have come out in recent times, and I'm thinking especially of examples in youth detention centres. Now, I'm from Western Australia originally, and there've been some really disturbing reports coming out about the Banksia Hill Detention Centre in WA about young people being transferred to Casuarina Prison, which is an adult prison in Western Australia. And some of the practices there that recent judgments in the Supreme Court have suggested do amount to um, troubling practices that would breach minimum human rights standards. So I think those types of things are really concerning. And what we've noticed from various inspection reports around the country is that they're not isolated to one jurisdiction. These issues are arising in every state and territory. And surely in Australia, we should be leading the way. We should be demonstrating best practice to the world. And because of that, we should um, really welcome the opportunity that OPCAT provides in terms of allowing us to better ensure that we're not, um, we're not breaching minimum standards and that we're really compliant with our human rights obligations. Mm, uh, the Public Interest Advocacy Centre has raised concerns about the use of handcuffs for um, those in immigration detention seeking access to health services and things like even the use of spit hoods. Are they um, practices that concern you as well? Absolutely. And there are a number of um, aspects to that, particularly, if, again, if you have a look at the work the Human Rights Commission has done in the past, during the pandemic, we raised particular concerns about the use of handcuffs, meaning that um, individuals were actually refusing to go to medical appointments mm. because they didn't want to be handcuffed along the way. We've raised objections to the use of spit hoods on a consistent basis, and particularly our National Children's Commissioner, Anne Holland's um, has raised concerns about that quite consistently. So there are practices not just in prisons but in immigration detention centres and in other places of detention that do concern us. And again, they're not isolated to one state or territory. And again, it's not saying that Australia is in a worse position to anyone else in the world. Australia overall can be very proud of our human rights record, but that doesn't mean there aren't areas of enormous concern and areas where we quite clearly need to do better. And just finally, uh, Lorraine Finlay, in April 2021, the Human Rights Commission wrote a submission uh, that was very supportive of an Indigenous voice to Parliament, which was before you took up uh, your post. Will the Human Rights Commission and, and you as Human Rights Commissioner support a yes vote in the referendum about a voice? Well, certainly the um, social justice, our Indigenous Commissioner, um, has been incredibly supportive 
of a voice to parliament. And it's obviously a debate that Australia is going to be having. For me personally, I'm very keen to see the detail before deciding a position in relation to a voice to parliament. And that's the constitutional lawyer in me coming out where I know that our national constitution is a document that you need to think very carefully about in terms of how you address particular issues. But I'm really proud of the work that the Human Rights Commission does on a daily basis, not just in relation to the voice to parliament, but on a range of issues to do with um, Indigenous Australians in order to create practical benefits and make sure that human rights standards are met throughout the country, not just in relation to Indigenous Australians, but in relation to all Australians. Lorraine Finlay, thanks very much for speaking with us on Sunday Extra this morning. Thanks so much. That's a Human Rights Commissioner of the Federal Human Rights Commission, Lorraine Finlay. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.